Well, welcome to Beefmaster Banner tonight. It looks like it's just going to be me, your host, Jared Strickland. Uh, Josh Morrison, he's uh, on vacation and was going to hop on, but having some technical difficulties. But uh, it's just going to be me tonight. Maybe y'all be able to stand it. But uh, tonight we've got a very special guest with us. Uh, Mr. Trey Sherr is coming on to talk with us from Collier Farms. And uh, so how you doing, Trey? Hey, great. Thanks for having me, Jared. Really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show tonight. Thanks a bunch. Well, we sure appreciate you uh, coming on and, and talking talking with me and, and uh, get to know a little bit more about you. Uh, I'm sure a lot of folks know who you are, but there may be some that don't. And if they and some may know, you may not know your your history or your backstory. So we'll get started with that. That's what we usually do. Uh, so just kind of tell us sure. about yourself and your history with cattle and, and you can start from the beginning and go through it or however you yeah. whatever you want people to know well that's a, that's a long one so i mean we can go back as far as you want but no i've got a really long family history in the cattle business i guess that's why i'm so passionate about it i'm a sixth generation texas rancher on both top and bottom side uh grew up in the industry my parents and great great grandparents were cattle drivers established ranches in south texas and pass that legacy on to my family, my folks, and then on to me and uh, my brother. And I'm trying to do the same with my family. So, you know, as far as our history in the beef master breed, my father and grandfather got started in 68 down in Victoria, Texas, running beef master bulls back on commercial cattle. And they saw that their calves instantly gained or weighed a hundred pounds more at weaning than what bulls they had been using. So, they became true believers in the breed as early as 68 and then became a registered breeder in 78 around that time. And I got drug into it in 86. I'm only 44 years old, but uh, started when I was just about eight or nine years old with my first cow. And I've been a member for 36 years now. Uh, after attending college at Texas Tech and studying everything but what they told me to, I ended up right back in agriculture, which my parents told me not to do, but I wasn't a good listener, and uh, went into the preconditioning and, and feed yard steer and order buying business, did a little tour of duty in that for a couple of years, and then found myself with a great opportunity to go over to Collier Farms and take the reins as manager there at a pretty young age, but based on family history, I had a lot of experience, so it wasn't like I was completely green to the breed coming out of college. And been here 21 years now, raising a family of three boys. Got one that graduated college this year uh, and a uh, one in college and then also a uh, 10-year-old in grade school. And uh, we stay highly involved in the breed activities. I was just elected the vice president of BBU here at the convention. I've served on about every committee you could serve on and on the board of directors for six years and various satellites. And so uh, needless to say, uh, my history in life is pretty well consumed with Beefmasters, but uh, it's a really good thing. It keeps me out of a lot of trouble, keeps me busy, and uh, hopefully we're doing something right over at Collier Farms. Well, just by my knowledge of past sales and i'm sure everybody has told y'all are definitely doing something right with the way the sales have been going over the last few years for sure and and uh you kind of kind of hit me there with the you just talking about some you had some experience in order buying and stuff like that so you 
you yeah. definitely had the yeah. experience with the commercial industry as well. So uh, you're you're linked in there pretty good. Um, yeah, we ran a lot of commercial cattle coming up, and we had some other breeds as well that we crossed back and forth with Beastmasters. It always involved the Beastmaster component. But I've seen everything from various commercial cow crosses to the order buying end of the deal. I fed a lot of cattle and ran some myself on wheat and oat pasture down in South Texas. And uh, so I, I can tell you a little bit about all of it. And I think that gives me a little broader viewpoint from which we can attack the market and improve our breed. So hopefully yeah. I can be an asset from that. Yeah, point. that's definitely something on our list that we wanted to talk a little bit about too. Uh, one thing sure. that I've talked with some on some people at sales and, and we may skip down here. Uh, you know, I know you mentioned your family and, sure. and how busy you are with that. Uh, talk yeah. with other people. They see that, you know, you got to go to a lot of sales and meetings and busy with cattle and stuff. So you got any advice to some folks that may be having a hard time finding a work life balance with the, with trying to be more involved with the registered breed? Well, there's not really an advice. I'll just say you don't balance it. Mm-hmm. And that may that may shock some people, but there isn't a balance when you're trying to push the needle. If you're really trying to sell out and accomplish big things, you're going to be burning the midnight oil. You're going to be going hard on weekends. You're going to be hitting all those events. And I, I'm not going to lie, after doing it for 21 years as hard as I can, it, it does take a toll sometimes. And you do miss out on some things sometimes. I think anybody in any industry that's highly successful will tell you there's a level of sacrifice that comes with success. Now, that being said, our industry and the cattle industry and through Beefmasters and even through JBBA even better, there's a way to do it that we've done in our family. And that's we don't try to balance it, we incorporate it. And what we do is we we bring the family along from young on. I don't remember going on vacation unless there was a cow sale or a horse sale at the end of the trip. And same thing with my boys. They get drugged along to cattle sales and events and workings, and I take them with me, and we spend a lot of time shoot side or at a sale. And then we became highly involved with JBBA, and I can't think of a better way for a family to spend time together, improve what you love working on and and help raise kids. I I'm a huge proponent of JBBA, not for the buckles and the trophies and the egos and stuff like that. It, it's about building kids, and if you can focus on that, God, the rewards are never ending on that. And and my boys have been blessed and participated highly in JBBA, and so my suggestion would be to incorporate the family into the program and you'll find a higher level of success and satisfaction. Awesome. I really, I really, I really like that answer there. That's, uh, that's some, some good uh, advice. Cause just like with anything in life, you know, like you said, if you're going to be successful or if you want to be highly successful at something, you'll have to sacrifice something or and if there's a way to incorporate it into your life, then you, you make to make find that success for sure. Yeah, yeah, it, it's kind of it can be rough at times, but uh, that's just life. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, I guess moving forward, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, call your farms, and since you're managing those and got sales coming up, but uh, we kind of sure. ask some folks these things. Uh, do you got any cattle you might want to mention that you've got 
uh, you want to promote uh, as far as uh, sires or donors that you got maybe some new ones coming along or maybe some some that are that you want to talk about? Yeah, um, you know, I like to let the cattle do the talking. Um, you know, sometimes you can overmarket stuff, and the best way to do it is just do it through proof in the pudding and go out there and produce the best animal you can and stand behind them. I, uh, there's obviously cattle we're excited about in, in both this bull cell and female cells and in the program. And it's not just about what they may bring in an event. It's what they bring to the breed. And so you've got our standbys that everybody knows us currently by the riptides, the solutions, the fusions, bravado's kind of been a, a, a star in the last few years, but we've got some new stars coming up that bring even more diversity to our our portfolio of genetics, and that would be Gulfstream, uh, the riptide picture cow combination, bringing in the fertility and longevity. His mother lived to be 19 years old and uh, had a calf every year on time with a pace setter, type setter cow, and BBU used her for their ideal cow and some of their advertising, and she didn't just look the part, but she produced the part, and the older she got, her EPDs kept getting higher and higher because of her performance and her offspring and so bringing Gulfstream with her with that cow as a mother is just a really awesome opportunity to increase the genetic power there we've got other young bulls coming on a solution son right now he's unnamed but we just partnered up with pro ventures on he's uh, out of the great bb show female that my boys had reserve supreme at houston that's a riptide daughter He's cherry red and polled and super high dollar M, good scan data, great confirmation. Again, a bull that brings a lot of diversity to the table. And then on the donor side, we're looking at cow families. Uh, you cannot overestimate cow families. I will take an average looking bull or female any day out of a great cow family than a good looking bull or heifer that I don't know anything about. And uh, so you take cow families like single baby, who's one of her granddaughters or great granddaughters sold in our production cell for 61,000 here in, in the fall sale. And the sibling brought 40. And then the picture cow had a $60,000 uh, granddaughter as well, back out of a riptide, bringing in bravado. And so when we bring in cow families like Diamond Maiden, Bingle Baby, the Picture Cow, Madam Secretary, Miss Superior Eight, and you find bulls and females that go back to that, you're going to get that consistency and top dollar. And that's why people are after them. Uh, they're not ac accidents. Um, they're uh, what somebody told me the other day at the BBU convention was, he said they're not happenstance. I, I liked that term. I'll, I'll give Ron Sanko credit for that one. It's, uh, they're not accidents. They happen by generations of purposeful, meaningful breeding, and they'll continue to produce that. And so that's kind of where we're directed towards, and that's what I'm most excited about in our genetics coming up for the future. That's awesome. And just kind of to back you up a little bit, I, I've got some experience with me and dad do with, you know, getting some Miss Superior 8 genetics from uh, Clark back in the mm, day too. And, yeah you know he's been we've been on that line for nearly a decade now and we try new things and stuff like that and they consistently consistently always 
are at the top of the program, you know, and, and like you said, do you find like, and like other people have said on here, finding those cow families that consistently work, like you're saying that that's where you're going to get your consistency to, uh, to be very successful. And, and I can see that for sure out of some of those lines. Yeah. I mean, about. you've got to build a program around bulls and cow families. This is a maternal breed. And so the cow families is important as a top side sire and finding great donors like Miss Superior 8 and, and several others that Clark has in this program that other great breeders have like Sugar Ann through the L2 program over the years. Gosh, the influence that females like that have had is just infinite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely something to be watching for those, especially those new guys out there that's studying along. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I guess just kind of moving forward, you know, we got the bull sale coming up, but y'all have several sales. Do you anything in particular you want to talk about for the bull sale coming up or something well, you're looking forward to? Well, with the sales, uh, you know, we do the advantage program. Everything's kind of based around the advantage program. We started back in 2010. Um and, and it just built it from there, whether it's the Carter Farms Performance Bull Sale in the fall, the Advantage Sale in the spring. We just added the new fall Advantage Sale because we saw a need to have a spring and fall event to hit different programs and different ages of the cattle and to allow more people to get in on the genetics and just grow, uh, grow the breed and the program. And I, I think we're going to have more exciting events in the near future. Uh, but yeah, on the bull sales coming up here, November the 19th, you know, we're always excited about what new herd sires are going to come out of that. You know, everyone's always wanting to uh, get the bull sold and gone and out of their hair. And believe me, there's nothing fun and romantic about raising 250 bulls. It's a lot of work and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. But um, with that we're hoping to supply new genetics. And so, you know, one of the things that I love most about our sales is it's not the high dollar stuff. It's not the razzle dazzle and the show showtime atmosphere. Oh yeah, that's fun. The game day atmosphere is great. We all love that. But uh, it's really watching the advantage producers when we started that program that allowed people to use our genetics and bring cattle back and market them in an event that showcased them as much as possible and what they were doing when i go in there and i see an advantage producer raise the number one bull raise the high selling female uh which happens year in year out uh man, there's nothing better than watching the success of others. Uh, and when you can help others reach those goals, that's the most rewarding thing I find with the Advantage program. And then the sales, it's fun to watch the excitement in buyers' eyes whether they're studying the cattle and, and picking up that individual that they think is really going to improve their herd and advance their program. And they're super excited to get that animal home and put it to use. And then the success stories keep coming back to you. That's, I think that's why we keep doing it, <laughs> to be honest. It, it's that excitement with the, with the producers. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And then also those success stories will probably help, help obviously build your success even more because uh, that attracts uh, new folks to come in and, and build their programs as well as they see 
other folks kind of doing the same thing and that's definitely oh, absolutely that's definitely what you're aiming for as a breeder a lot of times is to help other basic folks be successful that way they'll come back and and participate at your sale again oh there's you know? no better marketing yeah there's absolutely no better marketing than for people to go out be successful with your genetics and tell the story because then other people have the me too attitude and i you know i can do it too if this guy down the road with 18 cows uh that's 80 years old and has no help can go out and have a high selling animal break records and do that why can't i and uh I, I think that's really exciting, and that's probably the best marketing that any program could have. Yeah, definitely, most, most definitely. Well, I guess here's kind of what I wanted to ask you uh, as well, kind of moving maybe away from the sale a little bit. And uh, sure. I, with your connection with the commercial industry and and things like that, we wanted to ask you, what what's your take on uh, – how maybe the beef master breed can increase its market share with the, with the, the commercial industry. Yeah, that's a great one. I, I, I keep asking myself that and I have for 20 something years now, and it, it's a long, tedious journey. It's not a one bullet fix. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. The Angus Association, it took them years to establish a CAB program and do things like that. And I'm a big marketing guy. Um, I, I know we have the product. I don't have to guess that we have a product. I know we have the product. But how do we get out there and share our story, get in front of people and market the product to get them to want to buy in? And you take what uh, Angus did with certified Angus beef that was a 30 40 year journey that nearly broke them at one time and and then became probably the greatest agricultural success story marketing wise that I know of and I think our opportunities are equally the same or greater in our breed so you know from a commercial standpoint we have to do two things one we have to prove where we fit in the industry long term and the why beef master and I don't know that we've done a great job of explaining that to the industry. We've attempted through various marketing uh, programs or goals over the last year or two, but it, or 10, but it really hadn't gotten the traction. We know that our place in the industry is a highly versatile, adaptable mama cow. Um, I, and you will hear me say this, as vice president and president, and it's something I'm going to preach a lot of is the sustainability of our breed of cattle. Um, that's buzzword that's been around for 10 years, but there's no more sustainable beef breed out there than beef masters, period, end of story. When you look at the definition of the sustainability of producing more with less input, we go out there and we do it on every single one of the six essentials that this breed was founded on. And we do it from a feed efficiency standpoint. We do it from a disposition standpoint. We do it from a hardiness and a climate tolerance standpoint. We produce with heterosis more muscle and we produce a really good product that's getting better every day with genetics and the hard work of our breeders. And, you know, we're using less resources through, through those efficiencies. And then the longevity and fertility of our cattle is 
if you're having to replace your cows every five to six years, you've got an issue there. I don't care how valuable that cow is. If she has four calves as a commercial cow and falls out of your herd, she's probably not making you money. But a cow that has 10 or 12 cows in her lifetime, I don't care if they're not the most valuable animal in the industry, she is going to be profitable for you. Now, I think we can also be a highly valuable animal. So I think we really need to get on the sustainability and efficiency push. The data is coming out every day that our cattle do grade. They do perform. Their health is second to none. The death losses are so low in the feed yard, on and on, about how well our cattle do. I, quality grade is important, and there's a lot of breeds that crow quality grade. But if you're losing money as a feeder, and I fed cattle and grew them on pasture, and the packer does not care if you go broke raising that animal. All they care about is what happens at the end when they knock them in the head and hang them on the rail and what their bottom line looks like. It's up to us as producers to control what inputs we put into it and how profitable we can be in raising cattle to get to that level. And beef masters are the answer for it. it just end of story, we're gonna get there and that's gonna be our place in the industry. So to get in the commercial world, I think we've got to tell that story better and push a real marketing agenda or message that we haven't really put a hard grasp on. And then second fold, while we're doing that, we still have to back it up with quality. We've got to have quality control. We've gotten so much better in the last 10 years this breed has from a conformational design uniformity standpoint, but we can't go backwards on that. Um, we can't just get caught up in chasing a number on paper that may or may not hold a lot of uh, merit when the rubber meets the road. We need to focus on the actual doability of these cattle out in the field with hard test data and, um, and then go back and look at what we're breeding back at the ranch. You know, we can go out and run 50 great Beefmaster ads and tell our story uh, from the hilltops with great success. But then if back home, the breeders are marketing lackluster cattle and they're putting uh, poor pictures on the internet or on social media and calling these animals that don't look the part of Beefmaster. Uh, and I know a lot of them are trying to do it maliciously, but boy, that hurts bad. We've got to control quality and what image we put out there um, to the industry because there's still a lot of old publicity. There's a lot of old timers that are sitting there going, yep, I knew it. I told you those beef masters look just like my grandpa told me they did in 84 and they don't anymore. And the product is much improved. So uh, marketability, chasing a really focused message on sustainability and then and showing the commercial producer he can be profitable Meanwhile, keeping quality control in check and pushing the envelope at home back in the genetic side of things. Oh, I, I agree with that 100%. It's kind of funny. Sorry for the long. Oh, no, that's, that's, that's great. Uh, I, I think that's great. Uh, those are some, some kind of unique answers that we have heard so far, too, which is great. And it's kind of interesting yeah. that, you know, I just actually talked to a buddy yesterday. He took a bull to the vet. Some guy approached him and and said that's a beef master you know because it was cleaner hided and they said i ain't like they, they 
that guy told him, said, that ain't no bass master I know of. Like, you know, and they said, well, we've changed yep. them a lot in yep. 10 years, you know, and then, and then coming from the sustainability side, I work in extension and man, we talk about that stuff. It's all the time. And there's just, there's going to be a movement to that. And, and, uh, just even from a political standpoint, uh, Mm -hmm. I think that mm -hmm. that's something we're definitely, like you're saying, we need to be on, but, and, and also if you're going to stay in the business, like you said, uh, if you're feeding cattle, uh, you need something that's going to eventually make your money. Cause it's obvious the packers are going <clears> to <throat> take what they can get and, and move on, whether you can do it or whether you stay in business or not. So I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we're entering some exciting times, uh, both in the whole beef industry but even more so with Beefmasters, I'm highly motivated. And you can tell by the tone of my voice when I talk about the cattle. We've accomplished some really big things in the breed over the last five to 10 years. And, and I want to give credit where credit's due. And we've had some great past presidents and leaders recently like Bob Siddons and Larry Meacham who have stepped out and done some things a little different, got, got our finances right, have moved the Beef Foundation uh, in the right direction and then we've also brought in some younger blood and new ideas now that uh, Derek Thompson's president I'm vice president I think we can bring in some youthful energy on the committees as well and and get some new viewpoints out there just like this show it's open opening up some opportunities and some thought channels that we haven't explored previously and I think the opportunities are real for us to go out there and tell the story and preach our message and our competition is scared of us right now and they need to be because if we go out and do a good job at telling the story and marketing the product um, we're going to gain a lot of market share and especially in what the things you just talked about in the areas of efficiencies and sustainabilities because inputs aren't going to go down anytime soon period and no. uh, we've got the best genetics to combat that out there yeah i definitely agree with you it sounds like it's a story I keep, we talk about every day with my local producers and, and stuff like that. How we're going to, how we're going to make it to the other side of these high inputs. And, and like you're saying, I, yeah. it doesn't look very favorable as far as anything changing anytime soon, as far as stuff coming down. So, so maybe the, no, it's actually no, a, probably I mean, a good opportunity for us. Yeah. We might see a little bit of fuel or inputs moderate for a minute, but as we stuff this whole planet with more and more people and uh, more of them to feed uh, and less resources to do it with, I mean, the end, go the end is pretty obvious that we've got to keep producing at a higher level. And uh, I know we can do it. And I I'm really looking forward to that challenge long-term. Well, a lot of times with challenges, there's opportunities. So I think that's, that could be yeah, a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, here's one more question we'd like to ask you before we wrap it up. We'd, we'd like to ask this question because actually I know a lot of people may not see it on, on the web or not, but we do get a lot of input from newer breeders and they enjoy this part of the show. So uh, I guess Trey will ask you what's your advice to a brand new breeder trying to get going. That's a great question. and I'm glad you asked that every time I've listened to this show many times or podcast, whatever you call it. I'm old school. I call it a talk show or a radio show, but uh, 
yeah, on the podcast, y'all ask that. And I love the responses that you get and the advice. And everybody's got a different angle, and I think that's great. But I'll offer a little free consulting here, and I don't know if it uh, benefit anybody or not. But what I tell people that I'm working with and that we're trying to get going through the Advantage program or any new breeder that we're working with is – I always tell everybody to identify the kind of cattle that they like in the market that they want to try to hit and then back into it. I see a lot of people run out there and just start buying cattle here and there and don't really have a direction. And they, they've got, we all have a little Christopher Columbus in us. And we feel like if I could just make this with this bull, with this breeding over here, and a little bit from over there and, I'm going to you know, throw all these ingredients in a bowl and whip up a recipe and it's going to be the best birthday cake you've ever had. You're probably fixing to be really disappointed. It doesn't work that way very, very often anyway. So the shotgun approach is, is dangerous and don't start buying in before you know where you're headed. And so the guys that kind of create a marketing plan find out where in their region are they going to sell these cattle? What is the market for their region? What do those buyers in that region want? And what am I going to do to produce those cattle at the top of that market? Follow the money. I mean, it's as simple as follow the money. Look at what cattle are selling high. Look at what genetics are selling high in your region. If that's the kind of cattle that you want to produce, and you like those producers or those satellites or those marketing opportunities and then figure out how to execute on that. And, and don't be afraid to ask and, and get some advice from those breeders and, uh, and go out there and raise a very consistent and uniform product. That's probably the best advice I can give a new member. Uh, the other advice is get involved. The more involved you are, the more you're involved with committees and BBU and your local satellite, get to know these breeders. You're going to gain a lot of knowledge just from being in those circles. We, you see it in your everyday day job or industry or other things you're involved with. Same thing goes for your cattle business. Get involved in the networking and in your association, and those rewards are going to come to you in either advice or education or potentially and hopefully financial of it, you know, one day down the road. I agree with hundred percent with that. You know, uh, you can't, you can't uh, network too well sitting at the house. I know technology is different these days, but you really got to get out there and shake hands and, and, and rub elbows a little bit to, and get the inside of what's going on. And, and it, you'll learn a lot that way. Too. Yeah. Yeah, just being Facebook friends with folks. I mean, that's nice, and you can keep up with the daily chat and what the grandkids are doing. But, uh, you know, the rubber meets the road out there in the cell alleys, and you can study genetics and, and study the cattle when you go to an event that you don't like. And, and don't just say, well, that one's not very good, or I don't like that one. Look at why. What's going on genetically with that animal? Maybe it's just a genetic cross that happened to not work. Maybe there's something else to that. Is, is there some consistency to that maternal cow family line or is there not? And uh, you can learn as much from what somebody did wrong as what they did right. And 
and then go back and study who's doing it right and, and try to replicate. You don't have to reinvent the wheel to be successful. Just make a really good wheel and you'll be all right. That's that's right. Uh, I agree with that. You can actually, like you said, you can learn a lot from from saying things that may not be look at look at what you're you know what you like you know say that that yeah. line may not be for you and I, that's a good way to stay away from it if it's not what you want yeah we're all drawn to the cattle we like and and uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder right but um if you don't like an animal but then let's say you don't like one and then it brings a lot of money in the sale then you really need to study your lesson a little bit and go okay what happened here was it just two guys got in a fight over this particular animal possibly that does happen a lot two buyers just liked them more than everybody else in the barn and it brought proportionally more but when you see an animal go in and there's 20 bids going on in the early stages and everybody kind of agrees it's right and you're kind of like well i didn't have that one marked better go back and look at why you didn't have it marked now you might have caught something that nobody else did but probably you didn't uh or or maybe you need to adjust your eye or your marketing perspective on that particular animal uh, and you know the breed and and i'll get on a tiny soapbox here is we do have a lot of diversity in our cattle and that's a good thing yes we want to have uniformity and and structure and and breed character and color pattern and all of those things. When I talk about diversity, I'm talking about diversity of genetics and, and little breed segments. So, well, this group raises a little more of this kind of cattle and this group has a little more of these kind of genetics. That's good. We're not getting the pool so tight that we end up with curly calf or all line bred to one top sire that everybody's chasing for one particular trait. We've got cattle that can fit a variety of climates a variety of buyer preferences, black or red, you're fitting some color differentiations. We can go from Canada to Central America with, with great success. So the versatility of the beef master cow and the versatility of the genetics that our breeders are offering is probably one of our strengths. And I, I've heard this on your show a time or two, and I'm a little bit bothered by it, is people will comment about, uh, you know, if we'd work together instead of, you know, working apart or working against each other i i think sometimes people take good competition and believing in your genetics and pushing your product as working against the other people there's a lot of genetics out there in the breed that i don't necessarily have tied up in the collier farms program but they're good cattle they, they have a lot of merit a lot of value that can be used a lot of different ways and I'm 100% behind those people and those programs, and I just want them to keep getting better every day, and we're going to move this breed forward. Well, that's that's a good way of putting it. Uh, I, I I agree with you. The more competition we have, and the better everybody's cattle gets better to go. And I think, like you said, we've talked, and we're always asking this question: How can we get more market share? And that's one way I think is going to help us. Is if everybody's getting better, we're all going to get better. Yeah, we've got to rally the troops and, and get everybody on board and get excited. And and frankly, we've got a lot to be excited about in this breed. We just need to bring that to the table and put the negativity to the side. I mean, there's always a place for critiquing, but let's get rid of the negativity and push this thing forward. And we're all going to see wild successes, I think, in the next 10 to 15 years. 
Well, great. I, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm just as excited about it as I've ever been. And uh, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I I saw it in the, I saw it in the '90s and 2000s when we hit rock bottom, and I've watched it on the ride back up, and and it's fun and exciting, and things are going in the right direction. And if we all get involved with supporting the Beef Foundation, get behind your board, get on these committees, uh, get involved with your satellite. We need useful new membership and, and involvement in these satellites and bring those new ideas to the table. And some of them are going to get shot down, and that's okay. Uh, it's not all politics. It's just being there, getting used to the people, kind of rubbing elbows for a while and letting everybody get used to you and mixing it up. And you're going to find out that people appreciate honesty and hard work, and you will be successful in the end. Well, I agree with you 100%. Well, we're just right about out of time. I really appreciate All you right. coming, on, coming on, Trey. Uh, and it's been a great conversation. And uh, we sure, like I said, we really appreciate you coming on and, and look forward to talking with you again. I hope you all have a successful sale. Uh, November the 19th, everybody, y'all go check out Collier Farms. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening to the Beefmaster Banner Podcast. Uh, please know that we are on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and we are on YouTube. Just search Beefmaster Banner. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe. We love hearing from you, um, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.